Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be able to honour you by listening to your voice. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken, that you have revealed yourself to us in the pages of your word. Lord, we pray that we would honour you this morning by having ears to listen to what you would have to say to us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would build us up, edify us, strengthen us, so that we can exhibit Christ all the more clearly in this world to people who are perishing. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we've come through the book of Hebrews, we've come to chapter 11, which is quite famous in the book of Hebrews in the Christian world. Basically, chapter 11 is usually known by people as the Hall of Fame, as a chronicle of all the major believers of God over uh, throughout the Old Testament. And it is basically a hall of faith of people who have lived by faith. And the author has come to this subject in chapter 11 because he's just spoken previously in chapter 10 about the importance of living by faith. And so last time I spoke, uh, we looked at those verses that emphasized the need to live by faith. And the author had quoted from uh, the book of Habakkuk in verse 38 of Hebrews chapter 10. I encourage you to have your Bibles open before you. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, on page 1191, We read, but my righteous one will live by faith. My righteous one will live by faith. And then he says in verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. And so he set the context for chapter 11 of Hebrews, where he's going to be talking about faith. Faith is, there's one word in Greek which is used uh, for this concept of faith, and we in English actually translate it in three, with three different English words. We have faith, we have believe, and we have trust. And so that's why in verse 39, even though it doesn't say uh, faith there, it has the word believe. And so he's setting, it's the same Greek word in both, both 38 and 39, and he's setting this up for us that he's going to talk about the subject of faith. And faith is used in English to describe different things, and that's why we have belief, we have trust. Uh, Belief has the concept of uh, uh, some sort of knowledge. If you believe something, then you know something about that area. If you uh, trust in something, you have a sort of a more personal contact with it, you're leaning on it. If you trust someone, you put yourself into their hands. And that's the idea that we have with the subject of faith. As we try to understand it in English, we have these words, faith, trust and believe. But what is faith? What is faith? If we're supposed to be righteous by faith, what does it mean to have faith? And that's what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 seeks to tell you. He tries, the author tries to help us to understand what faith actually is. And so verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11 is often used as a way to define faith, what faith actually is. So what does verse 1 say? Hebrews chapter 11, we read, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What is faith? Well, it's being sure of what we hope for. What does the word, uh, what does being sure mean there? Well, another way you could translate the Greek word that is uh, behind your English translations is that it's the substance, reality, that faith is a substance of what we hope for, a reality of what we hope for. 
basically what he's trying to say is that if you have a hope, then below that hope is a grounding. And what is the grounding? It's faith. If you have a desire for something, then you have a belief behind that desire or below that desire. It's the substance of the hope that you have. So if you desire something, below that is faith, belief, trusting, so that you will eventually one day get that hope. Another way that this uh, word is used in Greek is for title deeds. So think of a house, and then you've got the title deeds for the house. The title deeds aren't the house, but they're the substance of the house in terms of ownership. If you hope to enter into a house and to live there, then the title deeds, owning the title deeds, will make that hope then a reality. So the title deeds are the substance of the hope that you have to get into the house. And so if you have the title deeds, then there's a good chance that the hope to get into the house will become a reality because of those title deeds. You have the hope, but behind the hope is the substance that then makes the hope a reality. The other way that uh, you see the author try to help us to understand what faith is, is he has a parallel statement there in verse 1. He says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Basically he's saying the same thing twice to try and help us to understand it with different words. So he says, we're being sure of what we hope for and then certain of what we do not see. What do we not see? Well, that's hope. If you hope for something, you don't currently have it. You don't actually see it. And so faith is being certain of what you do not actually see. There's a certainty. Or the other way you could translate that word, the Greek word that's translated certain as certain here in the NIV, is as proof. So faith is proof of what you do not actually see. And that's how the, the, uh, the Holman translation, an English translation, translates the word there. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. So as we look at this verse, you can see that faith here, as it's defined, is not unique to Christianity. We actually believe in all kinds of things all the time. We hope for something, and then because of the hope that we have, we have a particular faith, we have a particular belief or trust, so that we will then get that hope. For example, you hope for some money from your employer. What does that then mean? Well, you trust the employer to pay you once you've done the work. And so because of the faith that you have in your employer, you then go to work, you work hard, and then at the end of the week, when it comes to payday, it be- that faith that you had in your employer becomes a real- it makes a reality of the hope for the pay that you have at the end of the week. Are you following? So you trust in your employer. You don't know that he will pay you. And sometimes people have gone to work, worked all week, and at the end of the week the employer hasn't fulfilled the hope that you've had for, a pay, for your payday, for your, uh, your pay package to come through. But you've worked on trust. 
The pay is not a reality, but you've trusted all week as you've gone to work and you've worked hard, you've trusted in your employer, your boss, to pay you at the end of the week. And we do this all the time. We trust in something so that our hope then becomes a reality in time. And so the faith that we have is the substance of the hope that will one day be realised, that will become a reality. So then what does it mean for a Christian to live by faith? And that's what the author is going to be showing us in Hebrews chapter 11. As he goes through, he's going to show us again and again how people who live by faith behave, what they do. But if we're going to understand what it means to live by faith, then firstly we have to understand what is the Christian hope. Because remember, faith and hope always go together. Hope is what we don't have, and then because we don't have it, we trust in something so that one day we will have that hope. What is the Christian hope? What do we desire that then leads us to have faith? Well, of course, it's salvation. And that's told to us in verse 39 as this passage is set up for us. It'd be wonderful, really, if chapter 10 just flowed into chapter 11, that there wasn't a separation there, because we see that verses particularly 38 and 39 lead into chapter 11. Verse 39 says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe, have faith, and are saved. What is our hope as a Christian? That we will have salvation. That we'll be saved from the wrath of God for our sins and instead have forgiveness of sins that will be saved from that wrath that we deserve and end up with an eternal reward that will go to heaven and be with God, in the, be in the presence of God, be glorified and reign with Jesus Christ. That is our hope, salvation from sin. So then what is the faith that is the bottom of that hope? That is the hope that we have, that we want to be saved. What is the faith that is the substance, the, the certainty, the proof of the hope that we have. Well, of course, it's faith in God. Because faith is always in something. You don't have faith that is on its own. So if you think of hope at the top and then you think of faith underneath that, then the faith is actually in something. It's founded on something else. And as a Christian, our faith is in God. Just like if we have a hope that when you get in a plane that the plane will take off and take you to somewhere else and you'll get there safely, you have a faith that you will get there, but it's not a blind faith. It's a faith in the pilot to actually take you there. You hope that he knows what he's doing, that he's done some training, that he's checked off all the checklists that he has to go through as he prepares the plane to take off, and that he stays awake through the flight and gets you there safely. So you have faith that you will arrive safely at your destination, but the faith is not an empty faith. It's a faith in something. The faith is in the pilot, even in the plane, in the people at the other end who are guiding the pilot as he flies into the airport. Just like if you're, at the moment, you're exhibiting a lot of faith as you sit here. I shouldn't say necessarily a lot, but you're exhibiting a lot of faith as you sit on the chairs. You are trusting in the chair that you sit in particularly one of you who's got your feet up. uh, Shelley over here, she's crossed her legs. She's got a lot of faith. She She hasn't got her feet on the ground. She's trusting the entire chair to hold her in the air. She's got faith and it's in the chair. And so that's what we have if we have a Christian faith. It's in something. What is that faith in? Well, it's in God. 
We trust in God. We trust in the God of Scripture and live accordingly as we see people have done in the rest of Hebrews chapter 11. That people have trusted in God, the God revealed to them by his word, and they then live accordingly. Their hopes are grounded in the faith that they have that is grounded then in God. And we believe many things about God. We believe things about his son, who he has sent. And of course, we also believe that God is a great creator, that he is the one who has made us. That's what Christians have always believed, is that God is our creator. We believe in a God who created us. As we see in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 11, he goes on to speak about the faith that we should have as Christians. And the first thing he puts up front and center is that we believe in a God who created us. Look with me at verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. The author here is telling us that if we are believers in God, we believe in him as our creator, as the one who commanded the world, the universe, to come into existence so that everything that we see was actually made out of nothing, was made out of what is not seen by the command of God. Now, why is this an important thing for a Christian to to believe? Why not just believe in God who isn't necessarily the creator? Well, our view of creation always affects how we live. If we get creation front and centre, then we can actually build a life upon our understanding of creation. If you believe that the world was created by an explosion from some sort of matter or from some other universe, as is popularly uh, put out these days, that there's a multiverse theory that from this universe, this universe came out of another universe that probably came out of another universe and we're just completely coming in and out of one universe to another. If you believe that's how we came to exist, then you can live as an atheist who believes there is no God and you will live as a person who isn't accountable to a creator. You're only accountable to the universe and the universe doesn't judge and so you can live accordingly. Whereas if you believe that the way the world came into existence was that it was created by Allah, then you will live a life of submission to Allah as your creator. Whereas if you believe that the world is some big computer simulation, as the Matrix popularly puts out, that you're just a bunch of binary code somewhere or some other sort of coding, and that you don't actually exist, if you believe that, that the world here is all created by some big computer simulation, then you'll probably live a life of apathy. You'll be not passionate about anything because you think it's, it's all... Useless. It's, it's no different from the Pokemon that people try and catch outside places. They don't actually exist, the Pokemon that they're catching. I said that to one of the children at Kids Club. They said, how many Pokemon do you know, Mr. Radford? I said, I don't know any of them because none of them exist. They said, what? I said, they don't actually exist. You know that. There is no such thing as Pokemon. They aren't physically there, even though your phone might seem to indicate that they're there and you can't see them. They're in another dimension. They aren't physically there. And so if you believe that this world is all one big giant computer simulation, if you believe that's how you're created is by some programmer in the sky, 
then you'll live accordingly. And so Christians have, throughout the centuries, believers in God, have always believed that he is the one who created them. You see that as the Israelites in the Old Testament. They are people who follow God. What do they believe about God? Well, they believe that he is their creator. I had that reading from um, Nehemiah chapter 9. They begin their prayer. How do they begin their prayer? By acknowledging God as their creator, that he is the one who has made them, that they follow him because he is their father in heaven, the one who brought them into being. And so in church history, we see again and again, not just with the Israelites, but we have seen Christians over the centuries continue to acknowledge God as creator, that their faith is in a God who made them. You can see this easily in church history. How can you see it easily? We can see all those people who affirmed something as simple as the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed over the ages. We're actually teaching our children at the moment uh, the Apostles' Creed. And how does the Apostles' Creed go? I believe in God the Father Almighty. Then what does it say? Maker of heaven and earth. You're all good Baptists. You haven't been trained in creeds, so to speak. But they're good. They're really helpful. The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed particularly. They have good content within them. And you see that with the Reformers. They love the creeds. And they actually expound the creeds. They'll go through and show how the creeds demonstrate what Christians believe. And what does it have front and center? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Up front and center. He's my creator. I trust in a God who made me. And I affirm that. And so now I will live according to his ways because he is my creator. He has ownership on me and I need to live as he would have me live. Now, is such a faith as a Christian commendable? Is it commendable to believe in a God who made you, the God of the Bible? Is it commendable? Well, faith is only commendable if it actually brings about the hope that you have. Remember what faith is? Faith is the substance of the hope that you have. And so you can trust in all kinds of things. But if they don't bring into reality the hope that you have, then there's no point believing in them. You can believe all you like that monopoly money is good currency. And you can believe all you like that when you go to McDonald's, or insert there your other favourite fast food restaurant if you have one, when you go to McDonald's, they will give you cheeseburgers. You can believe it. You can get the monopoly money out and you can go to McDonald's and you can believe, have faith, that they will give you a cheeseburger when you pass over that money. But if that monopoly money does not bring about the hope that you have for a cheeseburger, then it's not a commendable faith. It's not a good faith to have. A far better faith is to have a faith in the Australian currency put out by the Australian government. I mean, in reality, remember, you're only trusting in that money. You don't know that that $5 note that you have actually is $5. It's built on trust in the Australian government. It's otherwise, it's just a flimsy piece of paper. Piece of plastic, I should say, these days. And so faith is only commendable if it is 
in something that will bring about the hope that you have. So is faith in the Christian God commendable? Well, the answer is yes. Faith in the Christian God is indeed commendable because God will realise your hopes. When I say realise, I mean make reality. He will make your hope in salvation a reality. Faith in the God of Christianity is the most logical and most satisfying way to live. Because in reality, there's only two possible faiths that you can have in this world. Two ultimate faiths. One is faith in God, the God of Christianity, or faith in yourself. Faith in yourself. Everybody is living either one of those two ways. Faith in God or faith in themselves. And from those two faiths spring the rest of their lives. Do people believe in themselves? Yes. That's what they trust in. If they're not trusting in God, they're trusting in themselves. You trust in your own desires. You trust in the things that you make, the works that you do. That is the alternative to believing in the Christian God, that you trust in yourself, that the idol you have made ultimately stems back to you and your trust that you made a very good idol. Or if you look at pretty much any other religion of the world, it points back to you. You look at a religion like Islam. What does it point you back to? Trust in your works. You look at a religion like Hinduism or Buddhism. What does it lead you back to? Trust in your works. Believe in yourself. That is what every other worldview proclaims. Believe in yourself. Now, why is that a bad choice? Why is it not commendable to believe in yourself? You might think you're a pretty good guy. Why is it a bad idea to believe in yourself? Well, I can tell you why I don't believe in myself. Because I'm a faulty, flawed person all the time. I can't predict what I'm going to do later today, let alone next week. What I'm going to be able to do for the hopes and dreams that I have I might believe that I can accomplish eternal life one day for myself, that I can bring myself back from the grave, that I can prevent myself from death. It's not true. I don't know what I'm going to do. wonderful example of this in Scripture, the way that we're faulty, flawed human beings, is the disciple Peter. I love Peter throughout the New Testament. Great guy. Um, Very fervent. What does he say to Jesus? I'll never deny you. What does he do a few hours later? Three times denies the Lord. He had no idea what he was going to do later that day. I don't either. I can make a reasonable guess maybe what I'm going to do later in this day. But I don't know for certain. I can't trust myself. And I certainly can't trust myself for my own health and my life. I still remember an atheist neighbour that we had over to our place when we were living in another place came over for dinner, we're chatting around the dinner table and the subject of death came up and she said, oh, I'm not dying, I'm going to hang on. I'm hanging on. She was in her 70s, she said, there's no way. I'm not giving up this life. She was believing in herself. How far did that faith get her? I don't know, I've moved away, but I'm pretty sure 
She's not going to live forever. She's not going to be able to hold on to her life. It will be taken from her. We can't trust in ourselves. We're flawed, faulty human beings. You can't guarantee what you're going to do later today. You can't guarantee what you're going to do next week. You can't guarantee what you're going to do in a year's time. You may have all kinds of hopes, but if those hopes are in yourself to bring them about, if the foundation of those hopes is you, it's not going to become a reality, and it's not a commendable hope at all. So what is a commendable hope? Well, it's a hope. What's a commendable faith? It's a com- Faith in God. And that's what this passage teaches us in verse 2 of chapter 11. But I'll read from verse 1. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The ancients, the people in the Old Testament, they were commended. Why? Because they believed in God. They had a substance to their hope. And that substance was God. And so the alternative from trusting in yourself is to trust in the God revealed by Scripture, the God of the Scriptures, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who created you and reigned supreme, the God who spoke and made promises, the God who has shown mercy and grace by sending his Son to die, the God who has shown that he has great power, power to even raise the dead. By the resurrection of his Son, he has shown that. The God who makes even your hopes today a reality. Yes, there are many hopes of the Christian, the hope for eternal life, the salvation, but we have hopes that God will bless us in this time that we have here on earth, and often they become a reality. I was just speaking to someone this week, and they were talking about a very hard time of their life, and they regularly prayed to God, show mercy, bring me out of this hardship. And God did. He brought their hope into reality. The faith that they had, the substance was there to cry out to God, to depend on God, to have faith in God, and he brought about their hopes. And so now this person likes to tell people about that time of hardship and what happened, to testify to others that God is a God who brings hope into being. Not all the hopes that we have. Yes, we still do not have heaven. But many of the hopes that we have, as we trust in God, they come into being. And so such faith is commendable. I must admit that as I was preparing this sermon this week and examining my own faith and what it is in, whether it's in faith in God or faith in myself, it's been one of the sweetest times in my Christian walk, I would say, My faith is actually stronger today than I'm sure it's been for quite a number of years. Because I know that I don't know everything, that I'm a faulty human being. But that makes sense. If my faith is in God, then I'm not required to know everything. God can make sense of all things. I'm a finite creature. He's the infinite one. I can't understand all the the things at the micro level or the macro level in this world, the way my own mind functions, the way the minds of other people functions, the way the world interacts with me, I don't need to understand all those things. Whereas if I believe in myself, then I probably should try and understand all those things so that I can make my hopes a reality. But if my hope is in God, if my faith is in God, then he is the one that is required to understand all things. All I'm required to do is lean on him, to trust in him. 
And that is such a wonderful revelation for us because it removes the responsibility of making your hopes a reality to God, from you to God. And there's a wonderful assurance that then comes that it's not about you, it's about him. And you can't understand everything, but you believe that God exists. The God of Scripture exists. That he has spoken. That he has sent his son. And that his son has died in your place. That God exists and he is your saviour. And one day he will make your hopes in eternal life reality. That's all that's required. And that's a wonderful assurance to us as we seek to live in this world. We can know that everything that's going on around us, it's in his hands. The trouble, the joys, they're all in his hands. And so we don't have to worry. Because God is at work. The sovereign God, the God of scriptures... And he will bring our hopes into reality by the faith that we have in him. Let's speak to him now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank thank you that it tells us about yourself, that you are the creator, you are the one who made us, and that you know all things, and you have all power. And that all that is required of us is trust in you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to not trust in ourselves, but to lean upon you and you alone. May we not manufacture our our own gods and then rely on ourselves and our ability to manufacture them. May we not rely on our own works, but may we rely completely and utterly upon you and so live by faith in you. Lord, we pray that we would acknowledge that we don't know all things, but this makes sense because we are finite creatures. But you are the infinite one, and you can reconcile all things. You know how everything works. And so may we be content, may we have great assurance that we're okay because we stand upon yourself by faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.